Well, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? Great. I'm Pastor Lance, if you don't know me. I'm the youth pastor here. It's an honor, it's a privilege. Today, I just want to say welcome. We are glad you're here. Thanks for coming out to Faith Community Church. We're excited for what God has in store for us. And can we just say, like, thank you to the worship team already this morning? Didn't they sound good? Come on now. Well, hey, will you guys stand with me as we uh, read the word? Today we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And it says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow deep in God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand that you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to uh, encourage you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I want to take a moment to, to pray as we dig into God's word as he speaks to us this morning. And um, as you're doing so, uh, it'll be specifically Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, as you're turning. Let's go ahead and pray before we start. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this opportunity together as a family to dig into the Word. And I pray that you'd speak to us, speak to our hearts, guide us and lead us in our walk with you. Guide and lead us as a congregation as we serve together. And I pray for your blessing and your anointing over this time. Open our hearts to receive and cause us to respond. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read through 16. This is Paul speaking, and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. 
into the lower parts of the earth, according to the New King James translation. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church that is the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they, they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so this passage I felt led several months ago knowing that this would be my first sermon uh, in the transition here and being the interim I thought, you know, I think this is the passage God wants me to speak on. And so several weeks ago, I knew this was the passage, and as I was breaking things down this week, it just caused me to get excited about what's to come for this congregation. I know all the different walks, and I've, there's probably things in here that I'm not aware of, but one thing I do know is you guys are incredible people. And I think if you can all come together and stay focused on the things that God would want to do in this congregation, there is a bright future that's going to happen in this place. And so looking at this passage, there's some things that I think that give us a little bit of a prescription of, okay, so this is how Faith Community Church is going to succeed moving forward. But also looking at that, I recognize that we can take a passage like this and you can apply it into your own personal life and you're going to see ways that things will succeed for you in your own walk with Christ. You'll see how things can succeed for you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your job. If you take a look at this passage, this is, yes, going to be something that, that helps a church to propel and move forward, but it's going to be something for you to apply into your life and you can move forward in the midst of the things that God has called upon your life. In verse 1, it talks about this call, and Paul says, you ought to live worthy of that call that's on your life. I don't know if people tell you this or not, but there is a call on your life. God has a purpose. He has a plan. There's a reason why he's created you for a time and a place such as this. And Paul says, you need to live a life that's worthy of that call. And I think it's important to recognize what's being said here. That word worthy is like this picture of a balance. Okay, this, the weight of what Christ has done for you, it's like this, okay? He has done so much for you. And what Paul's saying is, and now we're never going to be able to make that dead up, what Christ has done for us. But Paul's trying to say, 
start living your life in a way that kind of balances this out. Okay, God didn't die for you to just do whatever you want and go through the motions of life. Christ died for you so that you would get saved and then be a part of the kingdom work. That's the purpose and the call that's over your life. And Paul's saying, start living that worth. Okay, try to balance that out. Walk this out in real life. Don't just think about it, wish about it. Actually put this into action and make this worthy. You can see that in other passages. I don't have this on the screen, but if you want to make a notation, you can see this word worthy. Paul uses it again in Philippians 1, verse 27. He uses it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. And he says it again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. This idea of living a life that's worthy of the call that's upon your life. Scripture is causing us to see it. You know, we have to step up to the grace that God has poured out into our life. When God saves us, we then get to work. There's a calling for us in that. And so there's some ways that we can balance this out. Now, you'll see this in verses uh, 2 through 3. It also picks up a little bit later in the chapter. But I want to give you this list that Paul begins to break down. If you want to live a life that's worthy of the calling, if you want to balance that out a little bit, here's a way you can start. Humility. Humble yourself. How many of you know that if, if there was humility flowing in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, things would just be going a lot better? Okay? We recognize that that's a huge characteristic of somebody who's living worthy of that call is to say it's no longer about me you know I have things I have desires on my life I have things that I want to do I have my comfort zone I have all of this stuff it's pride and Paul lived in this pagan culture that that sort of celebrated and and even prized pride and this idea of humility is something that was introduced to this culture by Christ and followers of Christ. Well, wait, you want me to put other people in front of my own interests? That seemed like a foreign concept. And here's the thing, you fast forward 2,000 years later, that's a foreign thing in our culture too. You mean putting other people in front of my, my own desires? That's foreign to our culture. But that is not foreign to what it means to be a follower of Christ. He gave us an example of what it looks like to lay your life down so that others might succeed spiritually and be able to know who God is. Another characteristic is gentleness. Maybe you can see that one. If that one was applied into your life, into your home, into your workplace, into the church, you can see how that goes well. Patience. Ugh. forbearance in other words being able to look past sometimes the mistakes or the issues that people around you might have being willing to look past that because there's a greater there's a greater plan there's a greater work that's happening amongst us and I'm willing to look past some of those things and not get hung up on them and then the other part of that is striving for unity 
It takes effort to be united. It takes effort to be united in a marriage. And if you don't invest in your marriage, it will go bankrupt. It takes work. The culture around us says just pull the plug, move on, find somebody that can make you a little happier. But unity is something you have to work for. And that's the same thing here in the church. We have to work for those things. Sometimes we might see some differences with somebody or like, you know what, I don't run that direction and so, you know, I'm going to just hang over here with my people. But sometimes you have to sort of engage and build relationships. It takes work to do that. And when you've built relationships, you now have a, an understanding that you never had before and then you have an appreciation for that person's differences because here's the thing. Even though there might be differences as far as the personality of that person, the way they're wired, maybe you're like, that person just doesn't run my speed or whatever it might be. But the, the, the point of it is, is when you build relationships with those people, you need each other when you go out to impact the world for the kingdom of God. There's people that that person could reach that you could never reach. And maybe you encounter somebody and you're like, you know what, that person's a little bit like that other person at church. Maybe I should make a connection. Maybe I should introduce them and, you know, see where things go. We need relationships. We need unity here in the church. That's important. It's an important way of balancing things out for the call that's on your life. The last piece in this is service. One way you balance that out is you get to work. Hey, you, you start applying these things and saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get engaged in the things that are taking place. If you note in verse 7, Paul spent some time before this verse saying we need unity. It's important to be a unit. Okay, there's power in the team. And the, the point of, uh, that he's, when he says, however, in this next verse, or, or but, that word there, even though we're a unit, this doesn't mean that you can fade back in your responsibilities. Your gifting is needed in the church. Your gifting is needed in the workplace. Your gift is needed in your home. These spiritual gifts that God gives. This is what the verse says. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. You have gifts. Some people have a little more gifts than others, but you all have them. And it's through the generosity of Christ. Because he's generous over your life. He's given you these gifts. And here's the thing. He doesn't give us these gifts to then just carry them around and not use them. For some reason, this thought crosses my mind, but it's like if some family member buys you something special, maybe an article of clothing and then you never wear it until you see him again at the holiday, and I'm going to wear this shirt. Oh, you're wearing my shirt I gave you, you know? I mean, people give gifts to be used. People give gifts to be worn or whatever in our sense, but Christ has given you gifts to be leveraged for the kingdom. And if you're not using them, it's important to evaluate why. Why am I not using them? Am I not looking for opportunities? Have I shut things off because I feel I'm too busy? I mean, sort of ask yourself these questions and see how the Spirit leads you and 
I think there's a, a specific time and place maybe to, to take seasons where we step back. That's important. But the thing is, is we should never stack season upon season upon season to the point where we have these gifts that aren't being used. It's healthy to have seasons where we get poured into and we, we take a moment to refresh ourselves and, and gear back up, but those should not be long-term. We need to be serving. And that's one way we can balance things back out again. Interestingly, this verses 8 through 10, you've got some language here that I think can make you scratch your head a little bit. Wait, he took captivity captive. And so if he ascended, that means he also descended into the lower parts. And that can make, like, what are we, what are we saying there with that? And I want to tell you, there's a couple different views on that. Um, I do want to just bring both of them forward. One view is that, that the descending to the lower parts, that lower parts would, would be the earth. Jesus came from heaven to the earth. He took on flesh. Okay? God incarnate. He came to this earth, and that's what could be meant by that verse, which would also say, so if he took captivity captive, the captives would be demons. When he died on the cross... He took captivity captive, and then he gave gifts to the church in the process of ascending back to heaven. Another view is that uh, the lower part would be something known as Sheol, okay, which would essentially mean the place of the dead. And in the New Testament, it's also called Hades. Now, if you look at Luke 16, you'll see a story that, that Jesus gives about the rich man and Lazarus. And as you break this down, you see the scene, and the, the rich man is in hell, and there's a chasm that separates him from this, this um, Lazarus, this poor man that was a beggar in, in real life, and the rich man didn't give Lazarus the time of day. And he sees him off in this place described as paradise, or this place described as Abraham's side. And he can see him, even though he can't get to him, because of this great chasm. Now, some people look at that and think, this is what it was like if there was Old Testament saints, people who believed in God and had faith in God, they went to Abraham's side, while those who were disobedient went to hell. Okay, and then when Jesus died and took the victory over sin and death, he went down to Sheol, or the place of the dead, and he took those that were at Abraham's side, and he took them to paradise. And as he did that, he took captivity captive. So he took the Old Testament saints going to heaven. And as he did that, he gave gifts to the church. There's a couple different views. I can see it both ways. And I encourage you to do some more study on that if this is interesting and you're scratching your head now. And I mean, Paul himself in Corinthians says that he talks about the third heaven being paradise. When Jesus was on the cross, he told the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. And as people see Abraham's side, they would call that paradise. It just moved to a new location after the, the work of the cross. Okay? But regardless, I don't want to get too caught up on that section because the point of this passage is that Christ gave gifts to the church. And as he's ascending, he gives these gifts. And here's the gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And these are offices that function in the church, and they have a, a huge role. 
They have a responsibility, and it's these offices' responsibility to equip God's people to do ministry. So you guys, as God's people, with me as a pastor holding that office, it is my job to equip you to go do ministry. Not to just give you an encouraging message on a Sunday morning. Not to just pray with you in a moment that you need prayer. My job is to equip you to go do ministry. That's my job. The other part of that is I'm also supposed to help build people up. So the two roles there of these offices, equip God's people to do ministry, and the other part is to build people up in their faith. The thing is, is on your side of the, of the fence, if you will, is you're, the, you're supposed to be doing ministry. So by God's grace, I will endeavor to do my part. And by God's grace, I hope you guys endeavor to do your part. In a building with this many people who follow Christ, imagine the impact for the kingdom when you guys leave this building. It's incredible. You all have relationships and you have influence. And if you leverage those for the kingdom, if you do ministry, huge things can happen in our communities. There's a lot of communities represented in this, this place. It's not just one town, not just one county. We're spread out. But there's so much potential with that because it's like the territory that, that we can be involved in for the kingdom is huge. And this church here at Faith, we're in an interesting chapter, but I'm telling you, it takes the people getting to work if we're going to go the places God wants us to go. I mean, I can preach great messages every Sunday, but if the congregation is not doing ministry, we're not going to go anywhere. All I'm going to do is entertain you. And I'm not signing up for that. You can turn on the TV and be entertained. I want to do ministry. And I hope you want to do ministry too. So here's some things. When the church functions as it is designed to function, here's some things that happen. You can get this from verses 12 through 16. I spoke on some of these already, but believers are equipped. You're equipped, and then ministry increases. Believers are built up in their faith. And then in the process of all of that, there's a maturity that starts to happen. You start to grow. When you start stepping in and engaging in ministry, all of a sudden your faith comes alive and you're starting to discover more and more of who God is and how he works and there's a maturing that takes place. And in the process of you maturing, one of the things that happens is, is now there's a protection over you from being picked off by people who want to sort of give you this element of truth but it's twisted with some false teaching and then before you know it, you're off in la-la land, things that are distracting and you're not getting things done for the kingdom. Mature Christians are able to understand, okay, that doesn't sound right. I don't think that's true. And it also protects them from drifting. Okay? Along with that maturity comes this ability for a congregation to speak truth 
and to do it in a loving manner. Those are, those are two important things. Speaking truth, but doing it in love. If you have one without the other, you will not gain traction. Truth in love, and as you do that, that passage says that you guys are going to grow more and more like Christ. The other part of this is the Bible says that everyone has a place. God has placed you in this body for a reason. And there's such a rich community that, that takes place when we're all engaged in what's happening here in this passage. If everybody does their part, imagine the impact that we could have for the kingdom of God. And I want to show you a little, a bit of a light clip here, but I want to take this a step further with a little bit of a parable of the fishing story. If you watch the screen. Suppose there was a group who set out for a fishing trip. The group was led by a guide who they trusted would lead them to like fish. Spot. Plenty of fish here. He led them to water, but the group became full of excuses for why they couldn't fish. Some people came on the trip dressed the part and full of great fishing stories, but never seemed to do anything. Some claimed they did not have the heart for fishing. I can't fish. Hooking a worm? It's just too cruel. Do you know it's a rubber worm, right? Some said the work should be left to those whom were more skilled in the art of fishing. Carl, he's really good at casting. Shouldn't he be doing all the fishing? No, no, you can do it. It's really simple. Look, some claim that fishing was not their gift. Hey, uh, uh, fishing's really not my thing. In fact, it scored a zero on my spiritual gifts test, so... No, we could still really use your Before help. the guide could yeah. finish, Carl interrupted it. I think I got one! Hey, great! You mind helping out with some of the others? No, it's okay. Carl was more impressed with catching fish on his own than he was in helping people out, like Greg here. I got a small problem here. My line's a little tangled up. Oh, my goodness. How in the world did that... Some of the people fishing said they just didn't have time to fish. Matt, where are you going? Oh, yeah. I have an appointment um, thing that's going around. It's okay. It's okay. I got a, I got a stick. It's doing great. It's great. Whoa. Oops. And some people, well, they just had problems. Hey, uh, my hook's caught on something. What's it caught on? If everyone did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. The last line of that is, if everybody did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. And I take that line and, and apply it into our context of the passage that we're in today. If everybody does their part, imagine what will happen in the kingdom of God. There's a great calling and there's great potential in this room and those who are in the overflow and those who are listening right now. In the midst of that, we need to rise up to that potential. And if we don't, I want you to think about this. If, if we all don't do that, or if there's some of us that don't and some of us that do, 
there's still that place where we could be that we're not quite to yet. Does that make sense? We all need to get involved. We all need to, to get engaged in this. This last verse of this passage, I think this is like a power verse. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if, to summarize that is as we serve together, we are healthy, we're growing, and we're full of love. Sort of a final statement, if you will, to that passage. As we serve together, we're healthy, we're growing, and we're full of love. It's a human tendency to overestimate what we can do by ourselves and then underestimate what we can do together. I'll say that again. We can overestimate what we can do by ourselves and we underestimate what we could do together. And I talked about the challenge for us as leaders to equip you and build you up, but you as a church, you cannot sit back and just receive ministry you must seek an active role of service in the church. That's, that's the design here, okay? I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor, okay? Like, of course you want us to serve here. You're the pastor here. I'm reading scripture to you, and I'm trying to tell you this is God's design for the church. You have a role. You have service to be a part of. God has placed us perfectly to be involved, to be engaged and not to just sit back. So in regards to engagement, there's a couple of things. If I step back now and talk uh, a little bit about ways that you guys can be engaged as we move forward in this, this new chapter at Faith, you know, one is I, I highlighted the inserts and to know all the ministry that's happening. And these are great ways to grow and be built up. But the other part of that is one way that that you can be equipped to do ministry is to step in and volunteer where there's places we, we need people serving so that we can do ministry here. And a couple weeks ago, we had passed out these volunteer packets, and the, the design of this is if there's people, as you're, maybe you're not engaged yet in the life of the church when it comes to serving. It's designed to be able to help you pray through that and say, God, where do you want to plug me in? Because you have placed me here perfectly according to verse 16 and so as you pray through this God where do you want me to serve where do you want me to engage the other part is is last year we kind of had a test year of small groups we did some sign up last September as we gear into the next year in September we'll have more sign ups for small groups community is important and you can see that in this passage and last year we had about eight, nine groups or so that were meeting throughout the year. And I want to encourage you, I feel like we're going to have a good 15 groups meeting this year. But it takes people who are saying, I'll be happy to lead small groups. I can do that. Maybe we can host people into our home and start to help build that community. And maybe you're just thinking, I don't even know if I want to be a part of a small group, let alone lead one or host one. I'm telling you, that's a part of the community. That's part of the life that God has designed, and it's important to get plugged into those things. And so in September, you'll be hearing more about small groups. Those are ways that you can get plugged in 
and engaged in the life of the church. As we gear up for our fall launch, I was told by some of our staff that we're, we're in need of some positions being filled. And a little bit of an alarm, like Faith Club launches on the 11th, and we have a lot of needs yet to fill in Faith Club. For example, we need some help with second and third grade boys as Mike Hayek leads that class. Maybe God's moving in your heart right now to jump in with those boys. We need a fourth grade teacher and helper. We need first grade teacher and helper to join with Jolene Dutcher on Wednesday nights. We need pre-K and kindergarten helpers that would join in with Andrea Larson and Trudy Cabrera. We also need nursery help. We need first and second grade teachers for Sunday school or to be co-teachers with Brett Larson. We need snack providers for Faith Club. We need verse listeners for family night. I think it'd be great to grow our visitations team to work with Pastor Paul as he visits the shut-ins and he visits people in hospitals. We need help with our kids' church. They need more staff in preschool kids' church. They need more staff for the toddlers. And I, I read these things off to you, and I think ministry needs to happen, and here you guys are as a congregation, and you can get in, and you can get engaged in ministry. One of my jobs is to equip you. I just gave you the list of, of positions that are more urgent than some of the others in that book. And if you feel led to jump in on any of those things, at the welcome desk, this sheet is like the, the, the special service needs that, that we're sitting on right now as we get ready to launch. If you feel led to, to consider those, go write your name on it at the welcome desk. I'm just trying to equip you guys to do the work of ministry. And we have important needs that need to get filled, and so I encourage you to be prayerful about that. As I shift gears a little bit, one thing I said that I was going to do this morning is share with you a little bit of vision that's, um, I believe, on my heart for this season ahead. And as you guys know, the church asked me to be the interim pastor, and the other part of that is they asked me to be praying about being the lead pastor. And I don't have an announcement for you this morning, so just relax, okay? But what I want to tell you is that we as a family, and I think we as leadership, want to take this time to be serious in prayer, to really make sure we're hearing from the Lord on what our future looks like. And so I have some vision for what's going to happen here on Sunday mornings. On the 8th of September, we're going to start to unpack the book of Genesis. And we're going to go through a series in the book of Genesis, September and October. And then in November, we're going to take a whole month, and we're going to call it Missions Month. And each Sunday, you're going to hear somebody from the missions role come and preach the word. And you're going to hear people on our missions role leading Sunday school to give an update on how God is at work in their ministry and be able to bring more of that forward so you guys can know as a congregation, as we support these ministries, you get a little bit more familiar with who these people are and who these ministries are. And then, obviously, we hit December, and we're talking Christmas already. But we'll run through that Christmas season. And I want you to know something. For the life of the church, there's always this growth period between, like, September, November, and then there's another growth period in December alone. And so I want us to understand that while we go through this, 
sort of transition period, I'm expecting growth. And I hope you guys expect that also. That means we're inviting. That means we're telling people, God's doing something out here. And I know you guys do that all the time. But I believe God is going to open these doors and this place is going to be packed. We're going to have people in the overflow room. I mean, we already do have that scenario going on, but I think it's just going to get more and more and more and more full. And somebody shared with me a vision they had one day that it seemed like our walls of this church were expanding because there was so many people inside this room. Now, wherever that vision goes, I trust the person that shared that with me, and we'll just see what God does with that. But to me, that's exciting stuff. God is going to explode things here at Faith. And I hope you're excited about that because it means there's great impact in the kingdom of God. So part of that, I've laid out kind of the flow of what Sunday mornings may look like as we move ahead. And so from a Russell standpoint, from a Weller family standpoint, we would like to take September and October to experience the interim. Allows you guys to experience the interim as well. And um, I would appreciate your grace along the way. And um, as I learn new things and, and get acquainted with things. But when November comes and we have these missionaries coming to fill the pulpit and, and do Sunday school, I'm going to take that season to really finalize my decision. Either I stay administrative pastor or I pursue that maybe God is calling me to be the lead pastor. And so I look to make my decision in November, and that would give us December knowing, okay, this is where we're going. We're either calling a lead pastor or maybe we're calling another pastor to join our staff. And um, I wanted to share that with you guys so we know where we're going. I think that's important. And I want to be uh, open in communication on that. And as my family processes things, as leadership here processes things, I just really appreciate your prayers during this upcoming season. I want to go back to that power verse. Verse 16. His first two words. He makes. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes that happen. He makes that happen. Janet, would you return, please? That means that God is the one orchestrating. Not you, not me, not our leadership. God is the one at work. He's the one guiding us. He's the one leading us, the one shepherding us as we go through this next season. We look at the beginning of this passage and it says, live a life worthy of the call. And by God's grace, I hope that I'm able to do that as interim, as a husband, as a father, as a guy in this community that can minister to people along the way. I'm just like everybody else. This last week, I went into a gas station, and um, if you rewind a couple weeks prior to that, I noticed that a person that was working had a really hoarse, sore throat, and they were talking, and it was like, oh man, it looks, sounds like you're under the weather. And they told me 
that they've been battling this for months. So they got sick actually way back in like May, June, somewhere in there, and they've not gotten their voice back. So I checked out and I went back to that gas station a few days later and that person was working and you could still hear that in that person's voice. And the first time I was there, I was like, Russ, why didn't you pray for that person? Duh, right? So the second time I was there, I said, has anybody prayed with you yet? Well, well, no. And I go, well, can I? And then they go, will it work? <laughs> and my response was, well, it can. I mean, I hope it does. But we can pray and we can see what happens. And so I went around the counter, put my arm around the person, and we, we prayed. Very simple, God, heal this person's voice. And I left. Well, then I had another opportunity to come in a few days later. And as I walked in, they had a beaming look on their face. And they said, it's back. Their voice was back. And God did a miracle in and through that circumstance. And I just think we as a congregation, we just need to be ready. Are you ready to be used? I'm not asking you, are you ready to be entertained? Are you ready to be coddled? I'm saying, are you ready to be used? Because there's some big things on the horizon. And God is going to use this church in a mighty way. But can we reach our full potential? That all depends on your willingness to step in and be a part of what God wants to do. And so I want us to close this time in prayer as we go into a response saying, God, what do you want me to do? So will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, in this moment of, of worship, reflection, and response, I acknowledge that your spirit is at work speaking into our hearts, speaking into our lives. And Father, I pray for the follower of, follower of Christ right now that's processing, where am I serving? What am I being engaged in here in the life of this church? Father, I pray that you would guide them and lead them to the exact place that you want them to be, serving in your kingdom. And with great faith and expectation, we thank you in advance for how you're going to work those details out. And Father, with this many people listening, it's possible somebody here today, they're in a place in their life where they haven't necessarily been taking your guidance, taking your leadership in their personal life. But there's something about today's message that's causing them to lean in and say, I, I want to live for Jesus. I want my life to count. I want to live worthy of that calling that's on my life. Well, the place you start is by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're listening and you feel like that relationship is missing, I just want to invite you to reach out to him by faith and invite him into your life. Pray with me in your heart and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Please change me 
make me a new person and help me to live a life worthy of the call that you have over my life. Lead me, guide me, and shepherd me. We thank you for this free gift called salvation. And for those that are receiving it now, Lord, I just give you praise and glory. Draw them, help them to walk with you, Lord. And help us as a congregation to get ready and serve and encourage each other, bless each other, and to focus on the kingdom in the great days ahead. And we thank you for all of this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me as we close our service today? Father, I thank you so much for your blessing, for your guidance and your leading in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would equip, equip us to do ministry. Help us to have the eyes and the ears and the awareness for the needs, the great needs that are out in our community and that are even within our own congregation. And help us to serve, Lord. Serve with humility and gentleness, patience and forbearance, and with great unity. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.